You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin today by calling in the ancestors to join us. So I call out to those ancestors, yours and mine, All those who lived well and died well and bring the legacy, the riches of people who have gone before us into our lives. So I call out to those ancestors who bring that which is good and true and beautiful to come gather around us here today to help us to understand what it is that we as the living must know how to do well, what we must understand how to do better, and what we simply need to get a grip on, people. (laughs) So I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today that we might learn to see and to hear and to act in a way that is truly in alignment with all living things. And may we learn from those who have gone before us, not only that which they did well, but may we learn from those things they didn't do such a good job with. So I call out to those ancestors to be with us here today and I thank them for their presence. So with the ancestors gathered round, let us reach out now and down into the earth from our hearts to our bellies and all the way down through our feet into the earth and give thanks to the earth. We give thanks to the earth for this day. We give thanks to the earth for life. We give thanks to the earth for all things that sustain us, for all that we need to survive in this day comes directly from the earth. We give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we know it to this planet in all of its diversity, in beauty, all of its sorrow and laughter. We give thanks to the earth for the opportunity in this great dream to change and transform. And so let's call up the energy of the earth into our bodies, through the bottoms of our feet, into our bellies, and draw up in this way the wisdom of manifestation. May we learn from the earth how to be here in form in a good way. So we call out to the earth to give us the energy of groundedness, of connection, of place, of home, of belonging. We call out to the earth to help us to feel the connection to things and the interconnection of all things and ultimately from this energy to be able to reach out and know our oneness with all things. And with the earth energy moving into our bodies and rising up like a beautiful stream of energy to restore and replenish us, we call out uh, to the earth to help us to rise our energy from the heart to the mind and the mind out through all the layers of the sky and all the way up to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you call that power, call out to it. And don't just call, reach. Reach all the way to that power and touch it because you are one with that divine energy. And reach out to that energy and draw that energy down from the sky, bringing into our proceedings here today, into your life and into your body, the energy of blessing, the energy of protection, 
and ultimately the energy of generosity and benevolence and devotion and all of the things that allow us to be here with each other in a way that is true for ourselves and good for other living things. So as you draw the energy of the sky down into your body and allow it to mix and merge in your body with the energy of the earth, allow yourself to feel the intimacy of those two great lovers, the earth and sky, as they mix and merge within you and open the space within you so that you can call out to the spirit of the heart. So we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today and to open up as that great crucible of transformation that the heart is and to draw up the passions of the belly and draw down the crystal clarity of the mind and let these energies dance together in a way that gives birth to a third and essential knowing and that is the knowing of your soul's true purpose. May you find in that heart the courage to bring that purpose into manifestation in the world. So with the spirit energies gathered around us here to get today, may what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So with the spirits gathered around, I also want to give thanks to the human spirits who make this show possible, those of you who donate to keep the show actually happening. Um, without your generosity and your financial donations, we would not be able to pay the bills that keeps the show on of the air and on the internet and available in the archives for free to those who have access through a computer. And it is um, not a great effort, but it is an effort nonetheless. And I give thanks to those of you that donate large and small to the show. If you don't know how to do that yet, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, which is a good place to know how to go because you can find all the archives of all the shows there back from January of 2009. Thank you very much. Anyway, you can find the archives there. You can also click on the support button and donate any amount, large or small. It all goes to directly to keeping the show on the air. And if you are uncomfortable with internet payments, you can certainly email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to send you the physical address to mail a check to me. So give thanks to all of you that are helping to keep the show alive. And as you know... The fundamental movement of shamanism is to be moved in the heart and to let that movement of your heart move you into action in your life. That is the movement of true power from a shamanic perspective. So if you are moved by this show in any way, in, even into irritation, <laughs> I ask you to consider donating to the show. Whether you donate financially or donate by bringing these ideas into your shamanic circles, sending me questions or ideas for shows, but in some way taking the practical application of shamanism out into your everyday life because people, time is ticking and we need to start um, being in the world in a way that is truly good for all living things. So I thank you all for your support. So today, finally, oh, sorry, I forgot. I also want to thank the Society of Shamanic Practitioners for their sponsorship, their ongoing sponsorship of these um, interview shows. And if you would like to connect in with the Society of Shamanic Practitioners, it is shamansociety.org. And you can connect there and you can find um, archives of the guest shows there as well. And also I want to give thanks to Co-Creator Network for um, producing us and the delay the last couple weeks for those of you that are still trying to figure out why you can't download the last two week shows. It's because they don't exist. <laughs> so stop trying. Thank you very much for trying and asking questions. But um, Co-Creator Network has a brand spanking new studio. And with that came the drama we are all so familiar with, which is getting the rest of the world to hook the technology up correctly. (laughs) 
which always takes four times as long as it took um, when they told us they would do it on the phone. So anyway, um, Co-Creator Network, obviously, since you're listening to me today, is live and in action. And so we put blessings on the new studio, blessings on all the technical connections that go in and out of that studio, and just give great thanks to Co-Creator Network and um, great blessings on the growth um, that is happening. So without further ado, we are finally so excited to have um, our show with David Franklin Farkas. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me. And David is continuing um, the to answer the question of a listener from several weeks ago, which is how we work with the spirits of the land here, those, those that we inhabit this space with. Um, there are many, many different ideas, some of them not terribly useful. <laughs> I guess I'm a little bit, got a little wild hair today. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, there are many ideas about working with the spirits of the land. And as you all know, my perspective is they were here first, so we actually need to get along. Um, and I've invited David to join us because he has um, Va- much vaster experience in this than I do. But anyway, for those of you that don't know David, um, you can find him in the internet world at househealing.com and you can email him through that website. You can also find David on the radio at Farkas Files, F A R K A S Files. Actually, it's the Farkas Files. It's very official, the Farkas Files.com. And you can find David's shows and his archives there at the Farkas Files. Um, anyway, David is a technician of the sacred. He is a thought leader, an independent, though rogue, scholar. I like those rogues. And master practitioner in the area of remote clearing and healing of land, buildings, people, businesses, and situations. He has over 35 years of experience as a professional house healer and ghost rescuer and banisher of things more problematic. Uh, he also provides clearing and metaphysical coaching for individuals. And you can connect with David again through househealing.com. So David apprenticed for three years with a psychic healer who had been trained by indigenous healers in the Philippines, which is pretty serious um, business, middle world business, um, and was mentored by a Cherokee medicine man. Now, most of his spiritual and practical training comes directly from the angelic realm during his work and meditations. Over the past two and a half decades, David has developed a proprietary method called quantum grid restructuring, which normalizes distortion in the energetic geometry of buildings, clearing the human drama and trauma that caused these distortions in the first place. So for those of you that keep emailing me to ask for someone to help you to do clearing, especially clearing at a distance, just skip asking me and go straight to David's website because that's where I'm going to send you anyway. (laughs) So save us all some time and go to househealing.com. Particularly for those of you that um, need someone who can work at a distance because a lot of the other resources that I have don't work at a distance. So anyway, without further ado, we are moving on to – oh, we are live. Sorry, I forgot that part. We are live here today. You can call in at 512-772-1938, Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to read your question on the air. So, David, as you reflect on your life, what are the actual – in reflection, the actual pivotal moments that brought you into this work? since you probably got raised to be like a normal kid in America. So what happened? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, my joke is that my junior high school guidance counselor told me I'd be doing this, but <laughs> no, that wasn't what happened. They thought I'd be an engineer. Um, well, you are. Yeah, and actually the geeky part of me is very important to my work. It's part of what keeps me grounded and um, gives me a perspective that's different from a lot of people in doing this work. Pivotal turning points. Let's see. When I was probably six or seven years old, I came home and my father – I heard my parents whispering to each other in the kitchen and my mother saying, well, ask him. And my dad came over and said, what happened to you at 2 o'clock? I said, I don't know. And he said, no, you got punched in the stomach. What happened? I said, oh, I got beat up. That happens. And he said – I said, how did you know? He said, I felt it. And that was really the first time I understood psychic phenomena in any kind of real way. Um, and, you know, there were other little things that happened, but it wasn't until – I was in my 20s and trying to fix a, what I thought was a back problem, found out later it was a problem, and I started practicing yoga, and my yoga teacher kept saying I needed to meditate, needed to meditate. So I finally started to meditate, and the entire other realm came in on me as soon as I started to meditate, which is pretty scary stuff. And decades ago, there wasn't you know, somebody on every street corner that could give you at least some perspective on what that was about. So it took me a while to find um, fairly grounded teachers that I could ask questions and who would say, yeah, that's what happens. And did this happen? Did that happen? Which is what all good teachers say. Um, there were several other events that led me to my teachers, all of which involved my father being sick mm -hmm. and going going out to California to take care of him. And that's where I met my two teachers. So um, it's it's been quite an interesting walkabout. For a while, I was um, working with the two shamans that you mentioned and working nights at a lock psych unit where – I could see who the people who had voices they talked to, I could see who they were talking to. It's like, oh, this is so strange. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is so – because you're living literally between worlds because all the staff in the hospital thinks the people with the voices are crazy. And the people with the voices know they're not crazy. They know there's someone there. And I'm sitting there watching the dance. It was mm – -hmm. Very, very strange. Um, so I came came back to the East Coast after all of that, tried to be a normal human being. How successful I was will depend on who's telling the story from what perspective. And um, eventually realized that there was no way I wasn't going to do this work. So I better just figure out what the format was going to be. And so, David, I have a question for you, though. Once you really mm -hmm. started practicing, like yep. really started practicing, you're like, okay, I'm doing this. What was the story that really showed you then you were not in Kansas anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh, which of the many? Well, there was a turning point, and you, you read some of the stuff from my website about quantum grid restructuring and things. And it's one of those moments – 
that every shaman dreams of. I mean, you know, there were the moments with my teacher when we did an exorcism and it's like, oh, this stuff's real. Holy mackerel. Um, but I was at a personal growth training where I wasn't expecting to have any major psychic events going on. And somebody did something in the room that opened a hole to another dimension and two dark beings came in the room. And I could see them. The woman next to me was a dowser and she could feel it, feel it. And later after the rest of the story, I'll tell you, we kind of pulled the rest of the people in the room and everybody either went to the bathroom, got, got sick or fell asleep. Hmm. It was really intense. And so I'm doing all the tricks I know of to handle these guys. And most of them weren't working. It's the only time I've called in the Archangel Michael and he said, "Ooh, what's that? <laughs> he doesn't say that very often. No, I was like, I don't know either, Michael, but I figure you can handle it. Um, and then there was this hole. And, you know, I'm pretty good at tidying things up and I'm doing all the things I knew how to do to close this hole. Nothing's working. So like any other shamanic practitioner, I asked said, okay, what am I looking at and what do I need to know? And literally in that moment, I could see the energy matrix of the building as if it was made out of – it was graph paper made out of light. And there were all these cracks and holes, one of which was the hole these guys had come through. And I said, so, so what am I looking at here? Some of this is structural. I can see that some of this is in the concrete, but what's the rest of this stuff? And I was told that human emotions, human drama, literally acts like an explosive in the energetic world and blows holes in the energy matrix. It shatters the matrix. And then the place where that happened stores the story of whatever the drama was. So if you're in, you know, we were in a hotel room, hotel meeting room. And hotel meeting rooms are drama, 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 one after another. Family drama, business drama. So they're Swiss cheese. You know, there's all, <laughs> the, all these holes. And uh, I said, okay. And eventually they showed me all kinds of different frequencies and different levels. And it got fairly complex for a while. Um, but I said, okay, so what do I do? Now that I see that, that and I understand that, what do I do? And I was basically taught how to reset the matrix, kind of like reformatting a hard drive. Mm -hmm. You know, with a hard drive, there's all the data that whoever had the hard drive before is put on it. But if you reformat the hard drive, it's still usable, but everything's reset to its original condition. And now you can add new material to it. So you can add new stories to the matrix. Um, and that's what became quantum grid restructuring is this process of resetting the geometry, which is how I see it as a complex geometry. Um, and over time, I started experimenting with the same approach to healing people. And I found that the, there is a grid that I can see, but the damage is coded differently. It's not coded as holes, it's coded as distortions, looks crushed or bent or pulled apart. 
Uh, and it took a while to kind of get a handle on what I was looking at and what it meant and that kind of thing. But in the geeky part of me calls this creating a user interface. So, you know, whether it's the Windows operating system or uh, Mac or the steering wheel and the, and the pedals on your car, you need a way to interact with whatever you're working with that you learn to work to interact with effectively. You figure out what it is. Um, you can look at it as being a video game. Um, you know, the video game, you've got the controller and you figure out how to quickly move through all the stuff you need to move through. So what I was being given was a user interface. And at that point, I didn't know that there were other people that saw what I saw. And it really wasn't until um, the movie now, was it? The, it wasn't The Secret. It was the one before that. I'm not remembering which movie it was. But the special effect was exactly what I saw. They were walking through the space, and there was a grid of light, and it was rippling as people walked through it, and it was being affected by everybody's interactions. And I got to meet the producer-director at a film festival, and I said, you know, you nailed that effect. He said, yeah, I know. <laughs> I said, how do you know? He said, because I can see it. And I said, can you see all the colors? He said, I don't know. I keep seeing more. I'm like, this is my kind of guy. And there's at least one other person in the world that sees the same thing that I do almost exactly the same way. And then as I started talking to more and more people, I found out that there are a lot of people that at least use the expression clearing the grid. Can you teach people to see it? Like is it people just sort of learning to flip that switch on or click to that? You know. I, Goggle. I, <laughs> it's a really good question, and training people is a a fascinating issue. I often have people come to me and say, "I want to do what you do," and a lot of what I do is dark and dangerous. Mm-hmm. So, can I take someone who's just an interested beginner to that level, or even even have them tag along when I do it? I can't do that safely. It's really not a level, a jump that you can make. My usual joke is you got to start 20 or 30 years ago and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's things you need to know about yourself and things you need to know about interacting with the energy and scary places you need to go and realize you can handle it. And so are there people that I will eventually teach who will be able to make that shift? The only person I've been able to do that experiment with is a colleague of mine in Australia, Maggie Landman. And Maggie is the most clairvoyant person I've ever met. So she's getting more data than I'll ever get constantly. Um, And we got together for three and a half weeks. And what we did the whole time was say, no, look through my eyes, see it my way, do it my way. We just forced each other to work in the other person's modality. And it was really fascinating watching the two of us shift the way our vision was. But we knew that our hands had to be touching when we did it. We knew there had to be an energetic connection in the physical and that we literally had to to make – to challenge ourselves to see it the way the other person does. So am I ever going to see 
the depth of information that she has about land and ley lines and underground water and all the rest of it in the way that she does, no, I'm never going to have that talent at the level that she does. And is she going to be able to clear grids in exactly the same way that I do? Probably not. But we've transferred that information so we now can work in both ways and understand both ways and use some of it. And also and also we gave each other permission to in effect call on our energy even if we're not there. Mm-hmm. So I can look at something and say, Okay, let's Maggie this. <laughs> you know, which is my invoking Maggie skills, which she's mm-hmm. given me permission to to use. And you know, she will often send me an email and say, you did a good job on that house last night <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a night and day switch. So we're we're working at it while the other one is sleeping. Right. And, you know, and I say, oh, that's why I was tired today. OK. <laughs> so so, David, the, this this these shows, these couple shows in this little series were inspired by um, a practitioner who was commenting that. All of her other teachers just sort of dismissed the middle world, that any energy that was here, you know, was a ghost or was a this or that. And you needed to just clear the space and get on with your human activity. And, um, and that it was basically not a very compassionate, loving relationship with home. (laughs) And, and so what she was commenting is what she was enjoying about the radio shows is how I talk about working with the spirits of the land and asking for permission and, and developing a, um, a relationship. Now that's with the, you know, the life affirming spirits of the land. And, and I have already done a show kind of talking about how I relate with those energies. And, and what I was hoping to do here today with you was to begin to extend into, you know, what's your perspective about working with the spirits of the land, both those that are here sort of happy to live with us and support life. And then the other things, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those. Those other things. And, right. and, and what, what are – because because the other experience I had, for example, is – was at a conference. We were expressly working with our ancestral energies that are not where they belong. So we were there to do the work to help them get where they belonged. And there was this one woman and all she wanted to do was keep doing spirit canoes and just shove everybody over where she thought they should be. <laughs> and it's like, you know, um, we need to grow up around this. <laughs> So, so anyway, so what's your perspective? Well, kind of what's your cosmology around that? And, right. and, then, well, and then how do we deal with the things that we're not so really happy to be living with? Well, my perspective is colored by the kind of work that I do. And people call me when there's a problem and my work is clearing whatever's causing the problem. So I'm not someone who does ritual and ceremony and unless I'm in a place typically by myself or with a few other people. Um, where I can be in contact with the keepers of the land and, you know, be in a much more indigenous shaman kind of space. Um, For me, my understanding is that most ghosts have no idea that they're dead. Mm -hmm. So they're confused, literally confused and lost. The ones that interact with a paranormal investigator are a very, very small percentage of all the lost souls that are around. And they can be from multiple different timelines in the same place and not notice each other, which is fascinating to look at. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so there can be ghosts from a war that happened a thousand years ago with ghosts that died in a war in colonial times with the ghosts of the settlers, with the ghosts of the guys who died in the construction of the most recent building, along with family members. Um, And they won't necessarily have any idea that the others are there. They won't necessarily have any idea that the living are there, or they can't figure out why the living don't interact with them because they haven't figured out what happened. You know, they don't they don't know they're dead. So part of my perspective, which is not quite let's put them all in a in a spirit canoe, (laughs) um, is that the major part of my job is to find as many of them as possible. And with the help of the increasingly misnamed Archangel of Death, because he's really the Archangel of love and compassion and moving people across um, Israel. Um, to open a portal and help these folks cross over, help them go home, help them let go of space-time and their past life, go through what I call intake, <laughs> you know, whatever, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. whatever the bureaucracy is on the other side, which hopefully does not look like Beetlejuice but might. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something where whoever it is on that side picks them up, helps them go through a life review, explains the transition that they're going through, um, and connects them to their relatives that are already there. So, you know, whether it feels like a bus tour or I'm just handing them over to the archangels or um, whatever it feels like at that particular moment, a lot of what I do is just getting all the ghosts together, saying, kind of doing a download that says, I know you don't understand this and it's shocking, but you died. You don't have a physical body anymore. Um, being in space time doesn't work for you. You need to go home. Here, these guys will take you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not quite the let's just put them all in the canoe. Mm-hmm. But it, it is acknowledging that for the most part, ghosts really don't, you know, they really need that bus tour. Right, and living humans belong here, and dead humans belong in the land of the dead. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. <Not> here. <laughs> exactly. And then there are the ones who know they're dead, but have what I consider to be codependent reasons to stay. Mm-hmm. You know, they the living will not be able to handle whatever it is unless they fuss around in everybody else's business the way they did while they were alive. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it. You know, there are some people that legitimately have concerns and want to convey a message, and that's what mediums do. But um, a lot of it to me is I just need to keep fussing with my children, my, you know, whoever it is. I got to watch over them. And what they need to know is you can still do that on the other side. You don't have to stay stuck here between dimensions. Well, and you can do it in a healthy way from the other side. Exactly. And exactly. doing it here is just damaging your kids. Yeah. Right. Right, and playing out the same game, which you haven't figured out yet because you haven't gone through life review. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's my perspective on on ghosts, which I think is a little bit different from the ancestors. Yes, who I consider to be keepers of the land, keepers of place, holders of different kinds of energy. Uh, kind of the idea of a bodhisattva who um, could go off and have their experience, have their own experience on the other side, but has stayed behind as a shaman, essentially, Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. to do certain functions. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that I love to do when I get quiet time in the woods or anywhere is just to sit somewhere and make contact with the keepers of the land and ask them what I can do for them. Yeah. Um, You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, a client shared this amazing story with me about a well, a natural well that used to be the single source of water in a big deserty place here in North America that was very obviously very important to Native peoples. And um, colonization happened and the well sort of dried up. And uh, and this, this client's sister, who is somewhat psychic, was going to the well to see if she could help. And what she found out is one of the one, – a warrior from the indigenous people that had sort of last lived in that region had committed his soul to keep that place, to keep that well. And that she kept trying to cross him over and he kept saying – Right. This is my choice and that I that he'd essentially – what she finally came to understand or he was finally able to show her is they had merged his spirit with the spirit of the water there right? and that he was working in concert with that spirit and she needed to knock it off. <laughs> right. But there, there are – there have been some really fascinating circumstances and the first time I ran across this, I – you know, the part of me that was the observer was looking at it and going, really? <laughs> um, there was a gal who had a house with an incredible view in this, the American Southwest. You know, she had this view of all those amazing rock formations. But it was on her sacred ridge where they never should have built anything. Mm-hmm. So she was a psychic. She was working on her book. She had the last house with the best view. And things started going completely crazy. Her computers were going nuts. Lights were going on and off. And she knew how to clear stuff. And she's doing everything she knows how to do. And nothing's working, which, of course, is how people find me. And so in in looking at what was going on and, you, you know, I can scan a place for the basic stuff that's going on without being in much of a trance. But when I do the work, I'm in a much deeper trance so I can see what's going on on site. And as I'm looking at all this and trying to figure out, is there a vortex here? What's going on? The shaman comes up over the ridge, and he is about as livid and angry as I've ever seen anybody. Yeah, yeah. And now he had someone to talk to because mm-hmm. he could see me and talk to me. And his power spot where his re- responsibility had to be carried out was inside her house. Yeah. <laughs> so she's tra- he's trying to run her out. And I said – have you checked this woman out? No, she shouldn't be here. I said, you're right. They never should have built the house, but she got the house. Look at her. Said, oh, man, she's one of us. I said, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we set this up so she can do what she's here to do and you can do what you can need to do? And what, I, what we figured out in that moment, which I never would have thought of unless I was in that situation, was you can move a power spot. Mm-hmm. With intention. So the two of us moved it outside her house. And he was now able to carry out his ceremony. And actually, he completed something and he crossed over. He didn't have to stay there, which is often the case. You sometimes find a large group of tribal souls stuck someplace with a lot of keepers, a lot of medicine people, which is pretty unusual. And when I talk to the keepers about what's going on, there is always some responsibility that they are staying to complete that they couldn't complete. 
So I do whatever I can do to help them complete that. And typically everybody can leave once that responsibility has been carried out or one or two of them stay as keepers. Um, I was at a, a convention with a lot of people that do land clearing and this place was a nightmare. It was on a ski slope and just – it was nuts. And I just sat in the back of the room talking to the land and going, OK, what is going on here? And one of the supports for the ski lift was right in the middle of a power spot for the, mm -hmm. for the tribe. And, of course, they're trying to run everybody off the, off the mountain. So, again, help them move it to another location, not far. You know, it doesn't have to be very far to get it out of whatever's there now. And they were much happier, and they were able to complete their responsibilities. But, you know, they're not going to leave if they have something that they're responsible for. And if our technology or our construction or some other thing has messed it up, they will still stay trying to carry out the responsibility. So everybody, I I want us to all get carried away with David's stories, but I'm my job is to point out the practical here. <laughs> Have you noticed in every single story, David's success begins with "I asked." Yeah, <laughs> I asked. Right, that is the essence of right. what makes this basic, shamanism. Is that right. we the ask. basic to me the basic question in shamanism is what now, what next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, what the here, hell's really going on here? How can right. I see what is real? And right. then what the hell do we do about it? And in a way, becoming whatever a shaman is in your role is about learning to stay grounded in circumstances that other people would be absolutely terrified of and running away from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's being able to tolerate weirdness that other people can't tolerate, mm -hmm. knowing that you don't have the answer now. But you've always gotten an answer in the past, and you'll figure it out. You'll mm -hmm. be given the answer will come. Yeah, yeah, the answer will come. You'll somehow you'll get the information. When you get the information, you will be able to do what you were told. It'll all be fine, and you know. Then you have another one of those. I can't believe what just happened. Mm -hmm. Do you believe this? This is how the universe works. You know, or the answers come, and I haven't quite figured out what it means or what to do about it yet. Right. Because I have to – it's like my brain has to catch up with the answer to get it. Right. Well, yeah. and sometimes not because sometimes the answer is this is coming through in a way my linear brain can't translate into language. But basically I'm being told to stand here and hold the energy until this gets fixed. And that's a big piece, yeah, to tie that in to – Tom Cowan talks a lot about shamanic tending to try to get people out of this, you either do a soul retrieval or an extraction kind of mentality to understanding that really what indigenous practitioners do a lot of is standing there just holding the space so that things can do what they need to do. Right. And watching, watching other beings do stuff and watching things shift or, you know, whatever your way of getting the the information is, whatever your user interface is, um, and waiting until it's completed, it's often having no idea what just happened or a very minimal <laughs> amount of information. And you wait until somebody goes, okay, great. Thank you. We really needed that. I'm like, okay, whatever it was, I'm glad I could do it. Yeah. 
Okay, um, so we were we were uh, so you got to ghosts, and then you got to these sort of somewhat more codependent, kind of more intentional ghosts. Right. And then what's next? Um, well, we have. Oh, the and keepers. then you talked about ancestors and keepers. Right, ancestors and keepers. Um, I think the next level really is elementals and the spirits of nature. And some of them are just intelligences that you can tune into. And, you know, so grass has its intelligence and um, trees have their intelligence. Um, And as it turns out, there's an artificial intelligence for almost every kind of technology that we've ever created. Mm -hmm. And you can interact with those too, which can be pretty funny sometimes. I've learned to talk to microwaves um, and cell phone towers. Um, they have very high frequency voices and it's a group. So it sounds like the Borg from Star Trek, mm-hmm. very high frequency Borg. They're all talking at the same time. Um, and it's, you know, am I crazy or what? But after a while, after you've done all kinds of other things, you just ask, who can I talk to? Yeah. Um, and the fact that you're opening that communication and they go, oh, somebody can actually see and hear us. They're totally surprised, but very grateful. Well, and this is what I mean about taking things to their logical conclusion is people get into shamanism. They go, ooh, kumbaya, everything's connected. Everything <laughs> is one and like la, la, la. But they don't talk to their microwave. You know, it's like right. people, we either believe this or we don't. So right. if either everything, either everything, is, everything yeah. is conscious and everything is connected. And if that's true, then there is some way to make that connection and, and understand it and have a communication. But part of our unique consciousness is we're the ones that have to ask. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's true with the usual shamanic stuff. And it's as true if you're working with the angelic realm. They cannot take an action in the human realm unless a human asks them. Right. So people say, well, why didn't so-and-so – well, did you ask? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, why didn't so-and-so rescue me? Anyway, okay, so we got to elementals and spirits of nature, and then what? Well, and some of those spirits of nature are exactly the way they look in fairy tales. Mm-hmm. So there are little people of various kinds that are connected to either nature or to another dimension, and they somehow were interdimensional and used to be in space-time. So that's why there are leprechauns in Ireland, but fairies in another place. And, you know, they've got their names and and they're kind of different versions of these small elemental beings. Some of them not so small. Um, and then there are some that have functions. So trolls um, are keepers of land and power spots and frequently water. And because they're a geologically connected entity. They move really slowly, slowly, and they're not real smart in terms of processing anything fast. So I find them in old mill buildings caught up in the, in the waterworks under the building mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. in the foundation. And they won't leave because they feel responsible. Mm-hmm. They can't figure out that they don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll be underwater in a vortex or something else. And, at this point, you know, I'm recognized, but um, you know, I'll go to them and say, thank you for your service, and what you were taking care of is, is done now. You can go home and find out what to do next and you know, get them unstuck from whatever they're energetically stuck in, and they, they typically will take off. 
um, which makes a huge difference in the way the place feels and the energy because the troll was trying to make it the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was his responsibility. So uh, I found a few of them in the basement of, you know, a dirt floor basement utility room in an old uh, movie theater that was having all kinds of problems. And there's two trolls trying to keep it the way it was 200 years ago. Hmm. Okay, so then what's next after these guys? Um, and then the next level is a whole array of darker beings that have intentions to create chaos. And... The the religiously charged word, but it's the word that most people would use, is demons. Mm -hmm. And my sense of demons is that they're opportunistic parasites. Mm -hmm. They feed on human negativity, on the negative energy streams that are created by all the things we're told not to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and there's a reason we're told not to do them. If you're told, if you do them, you're going to pick up these parasites. It's like picking up a virus, and they'll make your life. Mm -hmm. literally hell mm -hmm. so um they don't want you to interfere me or anybody else to interfere with them some of them can be um extremely aggressive about that and their main technique is fear usually mm -hmm. caused by lies and so they will appear to you as whatever is the scariest thing they can appear to you mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. you know they will figure out what it is the problem they have with me is I look at them and go, that was good. Mm -hmm. now, you know, now ask who I am and whether you want to be doing this. And they're like, oh, man, it's you. Because after you do this stuff for a while, since everything is connected and everything communicates, I mm -hmm. finally figured out they already know me. So mm -hmm. I don't have um, – and that's you know, if you've survived and you've done the work for a while, anything that's affected by the work that you do, if you say – look at who you're dealing with, they'll stop for a second and go, oh, yeah, we know about you. Mm -hmm. um, and um, demons are – demons don't want to leave space-time. So the kinds of things which I will not describe here that I need to do to get them out of space-time, usually with the help of archangels or dragons, um, who I met just a couple of years ago. Um, really aren't a whole lot of fun for the demons and are frequently a whole lot of work and, and difficult on the practitioner. Is there a place that demons belong where they are actually part of the bigger system and, 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 and thus are somehow life-affirming if they're there, not here eating us? <laughs> well, if you, look at, if you look at it as a hierarchy with the religious sense would be that at the top of that is some individual being who, whose intention is to make a mess out of everything, mm -hmm. is to be the op the opposition um, to all the good in the world, and mostly what you run into is the henchmen and the minions you don't run mm -hmm. into, sure. but but the mess in the Middle East, you know, there's arc there's an archangelic level demon keeping that going. Mm -hmm. There are some incredibly powerful intelligences that do that um, and some of the political stuff that goes on that creates all of that. You know, Those higher level, uh, more powerful intelligences are doing that but mostly that's not what you run into mm -hmm. and that's not stuff that anyone should do by themselves. You, know, you could get in a whole lot of trouble mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and people say, well, what do you mean by a whole lot of trouble? 
and possession is real and people that wind up possessed are called psychotic and you know when they say lose your soul basically it's losing your mind mm-hmm. um there are terrible things that can happen to somebody that gets themselves into something they shouldn't be messing with um so is there a place in which they will be life affirming their intention is to oppose everything that's life affirming so i act in effect as the sheriff of space time mm-hmm. yeah you can do whatever you want but you can't do it in my dimension right <laughs> yeah. right right you know i'm i'm not saying you can't exist you can't exist here and i know you want to exist here so there therein lies our struggle doesn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but especially at this time on the planet where we're shifting from a thousand years or more of the darkness really having control to a time when, you know, the end of life as we know it, the end of the power of that darkness and the power of the light and all that's good on the planet taking over. And in this transition time, everything is chaotic and the dark forces are just struggling to keep a handhold. And they don't have any new skills, so they keep doing what they do, but pushing harder. Um, but it's all happening out in the open now. You know, the stuff that's going on politically and economically is no longer hidden. And the problem with that is most people look at it and go, things are getting worse. Look at all this. And the truth is it was always going on. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't see it. Right. So in in chaotic times, there's also there's often um, – things are a big mess anyway, so it's often a good time to actually – change <laughs> right things change right. anyway and and, so, and basically you have to change because everything else is changing you're going to have to change you can do it the hard way or the easy way right so for like the basic listener who's listening to what you're saying and kind of going oh crap you know i mean <laughs> in this time of transition which is by nature often chaotic and but it makes change sometimes somewhat easier because things are changing anyway is right. there a practice or you know something simple and really basic that someone who is listening to you and saying okay i don't want to be food anymore I want to close the buffet and just be me trying to do my life. Is there a basic grounding or some sort of practice a person could do to just um, in this time of change and transition, just be more whole and not available to the craziness? Well, grounding grounding is part of it, bringing in light all the typical things that you learn to do. Well, go ahead and list them. Go ahead and list them. Some people are really basic on the show. Okay. So any kind of grounding exercise so that you're staying in your body, when you're out of your body, um, you're vulnerable. And one of the things I've noticed as a very typical pattern is people who have been abused in childhood learn to be out of their body so it doesn't hurt as much and it's not as scary. But that habit pattern carries on and their first and second chakras tend to be closed. So doing exercises to open the first, first and second chakra and ground them to the earth makes a huge difference. Calling in the light and whatever – doesn't matter how, what you call it or how you do it. Um, whatever your tradition is, calling in the light, calling in assistance and developing a relationship with um, allies of whatever kind. Those are all very basic things that are common to all traditions. The – the technique that I like the most and the, the 
underlying worldview is ho'oponopono, mm-hmm. which, which is in Hawaiian means making things right. And it used to be a, a mediation process between families or individuals. Um, but in the last century, one of the kahunas said, no, this goes on inside us, that we need to have this conversation with divinity within us asking forgiveness not because we intentionally did things wrong but because we are carriers of the thought forms that create the universe and create the negativity in the universe it's as if there are computer viruses that we carry around in our consciousness and unless we become conscious of and asked to clear them we just are still part of the problem Mm-hmm. So, you know, so when people say, you mean George Bush was caused by me? I'm like, well, maybe not consciously, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, all the things that are wrong in the in the world, all the darkness in the world can only exist because we're all carriers of that thought form of that that energetic virus. And it's a very simple process. It's only four statements. You say, I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Thanks for the forgiveness. And I love you. So I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And it's an internal process where you're fixing something within you that you're not – you're responsible for because you're in a body and you carry it, but you're not doing it consciously. And as you do that, the world changes. And the story – and there's information about it on my site. The story that's on the internet all over the place is about Dr. Hugh Len who was – a psychologist at the Hospital for the Criminally Insane of Hawaii, and he did records re- review. He just sat with the folders reviewing the, the charts. But while he did it, he said, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. Because the circumstance that that patient was in, in some way, was created by his consciousness because he was seeing it in his life. In three years, not only did the hospital become less dangerous, patients started to go home, staff started to stay longer, it became a more effective place and a much calmer place. But within three years, they closed the unit because there were no longer any patients coming. Now, this is a very high-level practitioner, and I've had the the inspiration and honor of hanging out with him for a couple Mm -hmm. of hours when Mm -hmm. I interviewed him. Um, And he's very humble. He says, the only thing I ever do is clean. Mm-hmm. I just clean. I just clean myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing else I'm here to do but to clean myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you can take any portion of that responsibility using any technique that you are attracted to, and keep clearing your own consciousness and your own emotions, and all of the parts of you that need forgiveness, as you do that, the world changes. Right. So those of you out that are listening and you're the kind of people that say, well, I already did that. You're the problem. <laughs> well, it's Bless not your hearts. But that thought <laughs> that I already healed that. I'm done there. I don't need yeah. to go back there anymore. You know, if, you're, if your life is pointing you back there, you do. Well, even you know? if it's not, it's accepting that the amount of unconscious connection and unconscious information in you mm-hmm. goes back through backwards and forwards through time forever because 
you know, if you take a look at this as multiple dimensions and multiple timelines, it's all happening at the same time anyway. So all of this stuff is happening simultaneously outside of your consciousness. Right. And so if you really have cleared it in your conscious awareness, then you're that much more able then to right. recognize it outside of that and clear it even more easily, just like right. the guy in the hospital. You know, I mean, and that's that's that sense of people. Let's make that shift and understand if you truly have done the work, then it just makes the unconscious piece that much more easy. Right. And it's just it's just taking responsibility that everything that's wrong in your life and in the world in some way that you don't understand and probably can't understand is something that's still in your energy field. And it's just talking to the divinity in you and saying, I understand this is going on and I'm sorry. You know, I love you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Doesn't matter which, what sequence you say it in, whatever you're inspired to say. But I spent a lot of my day just going, I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Yeah. So, David, we're almost out of time, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is there anything you would like to say in closing? Anything we didn't quite get to that you want to? Well, I think one thing is that this is a time when people can really move into a shamanic way of of seeing the world and interacting with the world much more easily than ever before, um, being conscious and being in a body. But it's not easy, and you need to find the resources, the teachers, the people that can speak in a language that you understand to help you move forward. Um, and the other and I think the other thing is there there are scary places in this. There are things that are not easily explainable. There are things that um, you're not going to understand when you experience them for the first time. And that's okay because everybody else is going through it at the same, in the same way. You know, some of us did it sooner than you did. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what's your sense when you're at, when you're in you know kind of in between the worlds when you're sensing things? What's your sense of something is like uh uh-oh oh shit (laughs) (laughs) um for me it's a feeling in my body thank you you know i didn't uh, pay him to say that everyone i did not (laughs) i didn't had no idea you know every everybody likes the flashy stuff being able to see and hear things and it's the smallest percentage of psychic awareness is clairaudience and clairvoyance most people are clairsentient, they feel it in their body, or they're empaths, they feel other people's emotions, and you know that can go to the emotions of the land, the emotions of all kinds of things. Um, but it's typically something in the body, or it's a thought that drops into your head out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And most people just go, oh, that was weird, and walk away, and a shaman goes, tell me more. So it's learning what's yours, what's not yours, and continuing to ask questions. And if you don't have psychic skills, learn how to douse. There are ways to get the information without being psychic. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. David, thank you so much for joining us today. My I pleasure. Really Thanks for having it. me on the show. So everybody, you can find David at househealing.com and also David's own radio show at thefarkusfiles.com. Any, anywhere else we should send people, David? Um, those are two good places. Okay. Um, they'll find all the information there. Right. And you can contact David through those sites. There's, you know, little contact, you know, contact forms, just like everybody. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
(laughs) So, um, David, I want to thank your ancestors for dreaming of a better future that you would be here with us now in this time of chaos and transition. So thank you very much and your ancestors. Thank you. I give thanks to the ancestors of all the listeners and those who've gathered around us here today and to all of those keepers of the land who are doing their best to help us um, learn again how to be here in a good way. I give thanks to those beings. I give thanks to the energy of the earth below and the sky above, to the energy of the heart that unites us all. And I want to thank all of you for listening and um, ask you to go forward and practice. (laughs) And have a great week, everyone.